Welcome to the Strategic Talent Management People Solution Podcast. We solve your people challenges. People are the most important ingredient for your business or organization's success. We believe the way to take your organization to the next level begins with knowing your people and yourself. Welcome to the People Solutions Podcast with Strategic Talent Management. I'm Sue MacArthur, president of SCM, and joining me today is Art Boulay, our CEO, and Alyssa Currett, our account coordinator. And today we're planning to talk to you about the importance of structuring your interviews so that you can get to know your candidates on a deeper level, overcome your personal biases, and improve your chances of making a successful hire. And as you know, by now, STM is all about assessments and in particular, uh, assessments that go a lot deeper than behavior. And this is important for this discussion because that is the structure that helps us organize the interviews and what we're gonna share with you. Even if you're not using STM assessments, there are ways to structure your interviews to help uncover the candidates' attitudes and values, for example whether they're a good fit to your culture, if they have the attitudes and capacities you're looking for, and maybe even most important, do they have the energy and drive to be successful? And this all started with the work you did, Alyssa, on uh, the paper you wrote, and uh, uh, particularly on the subject of structured interviewing. So what did your research tell you? So the research I was doing was all about structured versus unstructured interviews and um, the predictive validity, comparing the predictive validity of both in terms of future job performance. And it's across the board, the research shows that structured interviews are far more predictive of job performance compared to unstructured interviews. So by definition, a structured interview is one where there's a predetermined set of questions to ask every candidate, whereas unstructured interviews are more of an informal conversation between the interviewer and the candidate. And these can ultimately go in any direction because there's no structure. And you may be thinking, oh, I have a list of predetermined questions that I ask each candidate, so I, I must be doing it right. But the key to a truly successful structured interview is not just having a list of questions to ask every candidate. The key is to know what you're asking and why. And this is why structured interviews are more predictive than unstructured interviews because unstructured interviews often lead us down the path of a subjective evaluation of the candidate typically based on their behavior, how they present themselves. And as we've said many times, this is just simply not the predictor of performance. So crafting questions around competencies required for the role, values, expectations, goals, and so on, and knowing what type of answer you're looking for will definitely position you for a more objective evaluation of your candidates. And so this is what we are talking about when we 
are discussing structured interviews. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. And that's what got my attention in the first place, Alyssa, is that, uh, and anybody listening, I just want to emphasize, you need to know the answer to the question you're asking. If it's just open-ended and you're having a conversation, you can have a very pleasant conversation and that plays right into, oh, that was pleasant, that was nice. At that point, you're only looking at behavior. You're not looking at anything else. So know the answer you're looking for and stick to your guns. Look for that answer, dig for that answer. It's a good point about the behavioral bias. Um, This reinforces the point about behavior, which we're always stressing. Um, And I'll say it again here, behavior assessments like DISC and Myers-Briggs are absolutely useful in helping you figure out how a candidate will interact with your team once they're on board but they tell us absolutely nothing about whether your candidate fits your culture or if they have what it takes to be successful in a particular role. The things that you really need to get out of your interview are things like, what is their leadership style and capacity? Do their values fit the culture or help us improve the culture? Are they a fast learner? Are they curious? Will they work well with a specific team, a customer or a manager? What are their development needs? Can they be productive working remotely? Really, you need to get to the, to the root of, are they a rock star? And having that system and structure to the interview process allows you to make apples to apples comparisons between candidates and, and really dig deeper. And again, for every question you ask, you need to know why you're asking it, what that question should help you learn and what you do and do not want to hear as an answer. And part of that comes down to motivators and values. So Alyssa, do you want to talk more about that? Motivators or values are what we look to in determining whether someone is the right fit for the job and for your culture. And a good way to understand what motivates someone is by asking them about their hobbies. So someone who's motivated by learning, for example, you may find that they like to spend their free time taking classes, maybe they teach or coach. Someone who values money has a strong ROI, they may not even have any true hobbies. And most of the activities they're involved in could be related to making more money or working long hours. Someone who plays competitive sports, is involved in politics, or holds a leadership position on some volunteer board could indicate um, that they're driven by leadership, control, recognition. Someone who's driven by creativity may paint, or maybe they play an instrument, they enjoy learning languages, traveling. Someone who values helping others, they may be involved in a regular volunteering service. They Maybe they coach their son's baseball team. Maybe they coach a team always because they just have that helpful nature about them. It's not just about their son being on the team. So this is where the point about digging deeper into what they do and why they do it is important. I would, I would add to that too, Alyssa, is, is the timing. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the, the dad who's a coaches his son's basketball team but he's never coached anything else to me that's also a timing issue he he's perhaps doing it for other reasons and so whether it's the you know something more serious that you need as a 
creative or a salesperson or manager, make sure that you, uh, when you explore the hobbies, get a sense of if there's one that seems to be lined right up with a motivator you're looking for, make sure they've been doing that recently or they do it all the time because they enjoy it. They're motivated by it, not just because their son happens to be in eighth grade and on the, on the team. And there's a yeah. difference between an obligation and a motivation. There you go. Exactly. Good point. Um, yeah, I'll just continue through with the next couple motivators, but someone who's very principled and maybe has a really strong belief system that this is, you know, what guides them through their decision making and their thought processes and whatnot. You may find that they express a very deep commitment to certain activities related to family, community, or they have interests that are related to history or tradition, for example. And finally, someone who values peace and balance and harmony and doesn't so much like conflict, they may express an interest in meditation or other spiritual methods to seek balance. So you can assess a candidate's motivators, but you have to know first your own culture and the job requirements you're hiring for, or maybe promoting someone into, because not every motivator is a priority in your situation. So really narrow down the top three values of your culture and then ask questions and dig deeper to try to find out if these are true motivators for the people that you're um, considering. Yeah, that's a good point, Alyssa. And it also gets to the issue of, of changing or, or moving your culture. Uh, we have a client we, were, we work with very often and back, I don't know, three or four years ago, ROI was really not part of their culture. It was all about helping others and the peace and harmony and guiding principles were the, some of the key drivers, but things changed. Uh, new ownership, things evolved. ROI became much more important. So it's, 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 it's an issue uh, when you're doing an interview like this, it's not just strictly about matching uh, the culture or matching what you have today, but really is setting yourself up through new hires for realigning that culture to, to move it to an, a different level. So our secret weapon, though, I would argue is the competency profiles, uh, because competencies, they have a base in psychology, so they go a lot deeper than behavior or even the motivators that we we do value both of those, but the competencies give us an edge because they are things that typically you would think can't be, uh, you know, could only be done with large corporations because a full psychological exam or something is very expensive. But you can do these things via assessments. But nevertheless, it's important to know that structure or to use the structure behind the competency profile to, uh, again, structure the interview around key points. And one of those key points is empathy. Uh, if you've ever asked a candidate a question like, have you ever fired somebody or how do you handle difficult people? You're really asking an empathy question. This kind of gets to 
Alyssa's point. You got to know why you're asking the question. And you really want to listen to how they went about firing somebody or how they went about handling a different person or a different difficult client. One of our best interview tips is you stick with a series of related questions until you get to the answer you need. In this case, you might have them walk through the entire process of managing somebody's performance. Did they ever get there? Did they ever get to the point where that person's performance was actually improved? Or do they just keep giving them one chance after another? That's kind of maybe too much empathy. On the opposite side, especially if you think of something like handling a different difficult person, did they ever reflect that they stopped to actually listen to that person or, or have some understanding that they needed to really understand where that person's was coming from? Or are they oblivious uh, to those kind of situations, which may also explain in a, inappropriate comments during an interview? I'm, I'm sure Sue is smiling at that one. I am. Uh, <laughs> Boy, have I heard some inappropriate things in interviews. And that would indicate a real lack of any empathy or ability to read the room. Yeah. And I think sometimes people write those things off to nerves or, you know, the person wasn't used to using his or her Zoom or whatever. And that could be the case, but you've got to consider uh, that a key focus, a key point, a key competency like empathy, if you have some doubts about it, dig deeper. Maybe you shouldn't leave that uh, leave that subject until you've asked another couple of questions, which is one of our best interview tips. Another thing on competencies, it's, it seems deceptively simple, but it's about executing plans and achieving results. This question is all about the practical tools and techniques of the job, whether it's leadership or uh, worker level or sales level. It's about the practical ways to get the job done. So you want, you want to ask questions where the person is describing the key tools they use in their craft. What are those tools? And do they seem to really understand them uh, and know how to use them? Why are they useful? Uh, can they give you examples? For a leader, you want to know that they understand the tools of managing teams and influencing people. But if they feel they must actually do the work and they're maybe too focused on the practical and too focused on the tools, maybe that's an overextension that you should be aware of. Aware of. Now for a worker, obviously you want them to be more focused on using the tools and doing the work, uh, but you wanna make sure that they are wise enough, if you will, to ask for help or ask for directions if they need it, as opposed to just diving into the deep end of the pool all the time. And that leads us to a third and core competency of strategy planning and organization. We see this a lot in job descriptions as a strategic element. The person needs to be either strategic in their thinking or, or able to do the planning. So you wanna ask a series of questions does the candidate really balance practicality and rule following? Uh, if bending the rules gets the project done more quickly or satisfies the customer, where do you draw the line? That's a good question to figure out, you know, are they too focused on rules or not focused enough? 
One of our favorite questions is to ask, if you had been in a leadership position in your last company, what changes would you have made or improvements to systems would you have made? And again, that can launch a good discussion where you're really paying attention to listening for a real understanding of planning and the need for planning. So a question like that will also on the negative side, get to respect for authority. If it seems to be very low, they want to change. They would have changed everything at their last company, or they seem to criticize everything. You really have to think, wait a minute, if I bring that person here, they're going to do the same thing. They apparently don't care for authority. There may be a job where you want that, but uh, my guess is not so much. Uh, on the on the other side, a people manager who does not respect authority, it isn't so much they're a rebel, but they don't or they will not make their expectations clear to their team. Uh, they don't want to play the heavy and give instructions. So green people, new people may feel a little bit lost. So you might ask a question like, if you launched a new brand new project with your team, uh, walk me through that process. And again, you want to listen for, do they really pay attention to things like organization and structure? So the, the three core attitudes we just reviewed, empathy, uh, practical tools, and planning, they'll tell you about a, a, the candidate's talent, whether that's a leader, a worker, a manager, a sales rep, or whatever, but you're going to get a sense of how they approach their work. The next three I want to go through quickly, tell you if they can pull it all together and fulfill their promise, because the next three points we're going to cover really get to energy and drive for performance. Uh, and as I say all the time, when we look at assessments, uh, that's absolutely central to success. If they don't have the energy and drive to execute what they know, what they know well, uh, this may not be a great choice. The first thing I want to talk about is ego or self-confidence. I know this is a big issue for most people uh, that, uh, you know, self-confidence uh, is something we desire. Uh, we want to see that. On the other hand, too much self-confidence might be interpreted as ego by some or arrogant by others. So how do you draw the line? That's difficult to know sometimes. So you want to ask questions, I think, about self-improvement. Because when you start talking about self-improvement, there's the structure to lead you to the question or the answer. Are they humble enough to know they need to work on things and smart enough to know what they need to work on? Or do they, uh, do they take the opposite view and uh, haven't really considered that at all? Uh, one of the things we see quite often, and I hear people talk about this all the time, is when you ask a question like, where do you need improvement? Uh, oh, I work too hard. Well, that's, a, that's kind of a backhanded way to say, I have no faults whatsoever. In fact, uh, I work too much. In a response to a question like that, again, I would dig deeper. I might say something like, most bosses, frankly, would prefer you work too hard. So that might be even a, a, a virtue. So, but what's a problem you've been told uh, you should work on or you know you should work on? 
And what have you done to turn it around? Stay focused on that because you want to hear that they get it. Uh, only people who cannot come up with a meaningful response to this question uh, are those who they've never considered self-improvement. It's probably an ego question and ego drains energy. On the other extreme, if they're too hard on themselves, uh, that may be a self-fulfilling prophecy and, and they're just, you know, they're, they're never really going to perform to their full level because they don't, they don't allow themselves to. Another term we hear a lot is engagement. Engagement is a great energy source. And one way you can get to that is ask a question that we ask all the time. Tell us what you like or dislike about your current position or past positions. And there's many ways to get to that. But you want to be sure that they will engage with the job you're offering and be happy doing it. Uh, Alyssa and I were just talking uh, off camera, so to speak, about the fact that I think this is still a true statistic. 50% of people hate their work. That's crazy. Uh, but as an interviewer, it's really important that you establish, hey, they're going to like it here. Because if they like doing your work in your way at your place of business, that's probably a, a good sign of energy and drive. And it's also a sign that they'll stick around for a while. So one of the things I'll just give as a quick tip there, by the way, is humor. Uh, people will use humor in an interview to say things they feel they can't say otherwise. So pay, that's one of those things just to have your antenna up for during the interview. And finally, one of the, I think the most important question around energy and drive is something most of us are familiar with, goal orientation. And the classic question here is, where do you want to be in two years or five years or so? And as Alyssa said earlier, outside of a structured interview, this is an open-ended question, right? There is no right answer. We're just going to have a nice conversation and I'm going to just listen carefully to see if this person uh, is wanting to manage the team. I'm hoping he or she is going to build for me. But the right answer that you're looking for is a clear and specific response so that you as the interviewer can see clearly what this person is after. Uh, they paint a picture for you that is so vibrant, you can see it clearly. And this gives you a rich source of area to finish the interview or, or continue the interview <clears throat> because they're going to give you so many specifics. You can make some, uh, you want to dig a little deeper to see, are they going to be happy working for me and my job? Uh, or is my job going to bore them to tears or not deliver what they want? So if somebody gives you that kind of clear question, that's that's a very good sign that they have good, clear, specific goals. Uh, and it, it's probably going to work out for you because that's, a, as I said, a key sign of energy. One of the reasons we emphasize this idea of clear and specific, a clear picture that they've painted for you, it's just too easy for some trendy topic to be floating around. And somebody who's a good interviewer uh, grabbing that trendy topic and talking about it for five minutes, but not really telling you what they want. So 
uh, I will leave you with those uh, those tips for getting to attitudes and energy and drive and some of those other difficult subjects to interview for. Let's see if I can sum this all up from what we've, we've just gone over. So behavior assessments are useful in determining how someone will interact with others, but they are not predictive of success on the job or fit to your culture. Don't allow your own behavioral bias to cloud your judgment. Just because they behave in a way you like doesn't mean they'll actually perform in the way you expect. Learn what a person values, how they see the world, their attitudes, leadership or work style, and most critically, do they have the energy and drive to perform? Um, adopt a structured interview approach to get to all of these factors. Don't stop with the first answer, dig deeper for validation, and pay attention to body language and nonverbal cues. Those can be just as important, if not more so than what they actually say. We've gone over a lot today, um, and there is certainly, we could go on for a lot longer. I would <laughs> encourage you to go on our website, um, strategictalentmgmt.com, and on our resources page, you'll find our interviewing guide that takes these concepts and really expands on them and gives a lot more um, of the concrete tips that I think you you may be looking for. You mean you think they'd rather read that than listen to me drone on for, you know, another hour or so? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that's it. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you found this helpful and that you'll tune in again sometime and let us help you solve your people challenges. So thank you for listening to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe to get notifications for new episodes. And for more information on strategic talent management, click on the link to our website in the podcast description.